Don't clap for me yet. I have to confess something. <laughs> this, uh, this morning, as Mike was talking about the Pastor's Choice Awards for camp and the Christ-like actions, I started reflecting on camp last year. And he's talking about the, cool, the, the juice box game. Now, it's worse than you think. It's not, it's not just juice boxes. It's Kool-Aid jammers. Chugging Kool-Aid jammers is a lot worse than, like, a good fruit juice. And... There's all the categories, there's the adults, the teenagers, the kids, and the kids had to chug the same size juice boxes as the adults. But of course, their bodies are much smaller. That's a lot of juice for some kids. And there was a moment where somebody handed me these little glasses and they said, I need you to go over to the kids right now because they drank too much Kool-Aid, and instead of making them drink the whole pouch, you're gonna pour it into this little cup for them. And I said to that person, no way, this is hilarious. I, I want to see them keep chugging the full juice boxes. It's funny. They forced me to go give the little cups away, and as I gave the little cups away, all of the parents thanked me for being so nice and generous and thinking of these little cups. And I responded with, of course. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. So they wanted them to keep drinking the whole pouches, but I'm here for you and here for your kids. And, and I got thanked so many times for it, and I just kept taking the thanks so I'm feeling the guilt of that today. I, I wanted the kids to keep chugging the juice boxes. I thought, I thought it was funny. There was a couple throw-ups. Um, so I'm sorry to all the parents out there. I, I, before I get started today, I just wanted to encourage you guys as a church to start. Because two weeks ago, I actually got to sit in our church service. And sitting beside me was a teenager who had never, ever, ever been to church in his life before. He's been coming to youth group lately, and he came to church on a Sunday morning, which is awesome. But this is a teenager who's never been in church ever before. And as we were worshiping, he pointed out, he said, do you guys sing the same songs every week? And I was like, um, no, why, why do you say that? And he goes, these people know the lyrics. <laughs> and it was at that moment that I realized that this teenager had no idea that this massive screen with words is the lyrics to the song. So I, I, I included him on that and told him he could sing. But he also just assumed you guys knew all of the songs because of how loud you were singing during worship. He could hear all of your voices singing these worship songs. And even this morning, as I'm sitting there, I hear your voices singing so loudly. And a church that worships like that is awesome to be a part of. So I'm thankful for that. And then a little bit after the worship, as we were going through the message, he leaned over to me. And this is a, he's, never, he's never been in church before. He doesn't know much. But his main takeaway was, these people really love Jesus, hey? And to him, it was like funny. He's like, they really love this guy. But, but the fact that a teenager who doesn't know much about church, that's what he takes away from this. He could tell and see that we love Jesus here, and that is awesome. So thank you guys for being a church that sings and loves Jesus, so apparently to a teenager who's never been in church before. I love it. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. I love Thanksgiving. I personally think it might be the most underrated holiday of the year. People don't love it as much, maybe because you don't get a gift or something like that, but, but I love Thanksgiving. It's full of awesome things that I love. I love food. I like ham over turkey. I don't know if anyone else agrees with that, but I got a couple amens, yeah. I like ham over turkey. I love food. I love football. This is a good football time of year. All the games are on. I got another amen. I love it. This is an amazing weather weekend, isn't it? The sun is out, the trees are a beautiful color, and, 
And Thanksgiving is also about family. And I have an exciting weekend because my parents and sister are here visiting. I have my family here this weekend. My sister just waved as if she was like a celebrity or something. Like, <laughs> I just saw her go, yeah, hey, everyone. <laughs> Sorry, Erica. <laughs> but what, a, what an amazing weather weekend to have my family come visit. I love the island. They're loving it this weekend. The biggest complaint this weekend was that we had to take our thin flannels off and on, off and on, because it was too warm, not too hot. So the perfect weather this weekend. I love Thanksgiving. And maybe the best part about Thanksgiving, some of you aren't going to like this, but it marks that we are only 11 weeks away till Christmas. I heard a couple people cheer. I heard a couple people groan, maybe a boo in there. We are 11 weeks till Christmas, which excites me, probably stresses some people out. Um, but I love Christmas, and I'm excited. Now, I don't actually get to be up here on this stage as regular as everybody, as some other people, but when I do get up here, I love to take a chance to update the church on what's going on in the life of our youth and the youth ministry. One, I think it's important for you guys to know what's going on. It's a big part of our church. And I also think it's helpful for you guys to know what's going on so that you can pray specifically over our youth ministry. We've got some good things happening. One, we're still growing. When I, when I started over a year and a half, almost a year, no, not a year and a half, but just over a year ago, Trevor had done such an amazing job with the youth ministry, and I got to pick it up at a healthy, good, awesome spot, and it's just continued to grow since then. Every week, we have these new-to-CPC youth slips, and every Monday, I come in the office, and I get to fill a bunch of them out because we had so many come in the week before, which is good news. We are still growing, and the growth has actually become so much that we're splitting up into two nights for the first time this week. So this week on Tuesday nights, we are now doing a junior youth. We have grade five, six, and seven on Tuesday nights, then on Wednesday nights, we have our senior youth grades 8 to 12, which is good news, and it's awesome. Speaking of the senior youth, those grades 8 to 12, last weekend, I missed you guys. I wasn't here at church. Um, we were away. I had 24 senior youth with me, which is awesome, and we traveled down to the New Bay Pentecostal camp to join 200-plus other teenagers from around the island for a weekend of worship and prayer and, and learning about Jesus and having fun. And it was awesome. It's a special weekend. Anytime you get to see all the teenagers up at the front of the service, worshiping and praying. And, and it's emotional for me because up at the front of these camps and retreats, is, those are the moments that I found Jesus. Those are the moments that Jesus became real to me. So it's an honor to be able to help teenagers have that same experience as well. I'm thankful for what's going on. Things are good. And the only thing I can say to that is praise God. I'm thankful for what God's doing in the youth ministry. I'm thankful for how active he is and how much the teenagers are getting to know him better and build a relationship with him. And he's becoming real to them, which is amazing. So praise God, and then the other thing is please pray for us. I'm asking you guys to pray for us. Two nights starting this week, that's something new going on. We brought in some new volunteers. Um, our volunteers work hard, and they're awesome, and they just give up their time to serve the teenagers, and, and they care about them so much. And, but, it, but it is tiring. Teenagers are difficult. People, people know that, I think. So please be praying for our volunteers, pray for Chantille and I, and pray for the teenagers, most importantly. Okay, I gave you guys a good update on youth ministry. Oh, one more thing, I want to tell you guys this. I think last weekend, I wasn't here, I was at the camp, but I think you guys saw a baptism video last week, is that true? We had the honor of baptizing a teenager recently, which is so amazing, and in my opinion, that is the greatest sign that things are going good, because there can be growth in numbers, but... You know, we want growth in the spirit. And when we have teenagers dedicating their lives to Jesus, choosing to get baptized um, in October in the ocean, it was awesome. 
And one, I love that we had a teenager wanting to get baptized, but I love just as much that we had, I think it was around 40, 40 teenagers and parents out in the cold by the ocean to support and pray um, for this teenager as he got baptized. And that is awesome that that's happening here in our church. Okay, today. Today I have the privilege of continuing and wrapping up our series on renewal. I've loved this series. I have an amazing story today from the Bible, and it's all about renewal and thanksgiving. So I thought, what a perfect story to bring to you guys today here at church. I love the chance that I get to speak in this series. Um, As you can see on the screen right now, we have that tree logo, and the word renewal is in bold. Renewal and the tree is from our Story of God and the Five Trees series that we did last year. And I don't know why, I love that series. It it stuck with me so much, it stuck in my heart. The way that we we could tell the gospel in a nice way using five trees that show up in scripture just stuck with me and I loved it. I love that we have these trees uh, spread out in our church some places, you'll see it up on the walls. I love how you guys in the church have have incorporated the five trees into your own lives. I've I've seen some people get it embroidered on a hoodie. I've seen some people have it on their snowboard, I know there's been talks of a tattoo. I hope that happens. I hope they get the five trees tattoo. I think that's awesome. And I love that we are continuously talking about these trees. And today and in this series, we've been focusing on the last tree of the tree of renewal. We have the tree of life, the tree of freedom, the tree of faithfulness, the tree of forgiveness, and the tree of renewal. So our story today, if you have a Bible, I want you to turn there with me today. Our story today is coming from the first page of 1 Samuel. Oh, this is a night. I actually see a lot of people going for their Bibles right now. This is great. We're going to be looking at the first page of 1 Samuel. We're going to be spending most of our time there today. And as I was studying about 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, I just wanted to give you guys some context of what's going on in this time. One thing that I actually kind of found funny was that the, fir- the book of First and Second Samuel, it's one story, it was written as one continuous story, but it actually got split up because there was an issue with the parchment back in, back in the time, which for some reason I thought was funny. It, it seems human to me, like they were like, like these are real humans writing this book and they ran out of parchment, so ah, make it two books. Now, in this time, Israel had escaped from slavery out of Egypt and made the covenant with God at Mount Sinai. They've now entered into the promised land, and here they are supposed to be living faithfully and in obedience to their covenant. In the past, they had failed miserably at this. They had done poor at this. So they were in desperate need for a wise and faithful leader to help them. The book of Samuel is what is providing the answer to that problem. The book of Samuel provides these wise and faithful leaders that Israel needs. There are three main characters in the book of Samuel, and the three main characters are Samuel, of course, Saul, and David. And today, we are not going to be focusing on any of the three main characters, actually, but we're going to be focusing on an amazing woman named Hannah. Hannah does have close relationship to the main character. Hannah is Samuel's mother, and she's going to be our main focus today. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for an opportunity to be here as a church, to dive into your word, which is alive And to dive into your word in a space where you are here with us, God. You are a present God. You are with us. And may your spirit fall fresh on us today. And may your word just jump out of the page for us today, God. And may you reveal yourself today. Thank you for loving us. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Who was Hannah? Hannah was a woman. And she was one of two wives. The other wife, Hannah, had many children. 
Yet Hannah was unable to have children. She could not get pregnant. She was unable to bear children. And this is the problem that Hannah is dealing with. Not only is it hard for her in this time because she wants a child so bad and can't have one, but she also is one of two wives where the other wife has many children for their husband, which could make it feel worse for her. Now, in this time and in this culture, not, having, not being able to have kids was a, was a lot bigger deal than it is today. Today, everyone chooses their own path and has their own journey, and you know, some, sometimes it's even encouraged. Like, you don't have to have kids. You're good on you. You are, you know, it's okay nowadays. But back then, it wasn't quite like that. It was important to have children for these women. And Hannah's inability to have children would bring up these feelings and emotions for her. She would feel like a failure. She would feel like there's something wrong with her. She would feel like she's less than the other women who are able to have children, like the second wife who was able to have children. Very sadly, some of us in this room might even be able to relate to Hannah's exact problem but most of us can relate to Hannah's problem on a, on a bigger, on a broader scale. All of us can think of something that we want or something that we wish we could do or something that we wish we were, but we just aren't. Maybe other people have it and you don't and, it, and it's hard and you want it, just like Hannah wants to have children, although she can't. For some of us, it's as big as Hannah's situation. For some of us, it's maybe a job we want or a grade we want or a life we want, a friend group we want. Maybe, we all want something that we don't have or can't have, and it's not even always in our control like Hannah. Now, when we're going through those emotions, when Hannah's feeling this feeling of feeling like maybe a failure, that she's not good enough, that she's less than, one thing you most definitely don't want is reminders of the thing that you can't have, reminders of the thing that you lack. Now, my parents are here this weekend, and they're visiting, and if, if you looked at my parents over there, my mom has blonde hair, and my dad has black hair. Somehow, somehow, there are three children, all red hair, like me. It comes from my grandpa, and I love my red hair. I love it a lot, um, but I didn't always love it. When I was younger, I didn't love it so much. I felt, you know, you get picked on a little bit. You get bullied. The old ladies always loved it, but my friends didn't, which wasn't the funnest. And when you're young, being different from everyone else isn't always what you want. You kind of want to blend in, but when everyone else has different hair color than you, it's hard to blend in. Um, I remember when I was in grade five, the Tintin movie came out. And that didn't help my case. Everyone was calling me Tintin for a while. And then there was another popular TV show that popularized a day on the calendar. I hope, nobody of you, I hope none of you know it. But there was a day on the calendar that got popularized by this TV show called Kick a Ginger Day. So once a year, I would be reminded of my hair color, and I'd even get kicked every now and then because I have red hair. I didn't actually, it wasn't actually that bad. It was more of a joke, but it was this reminder every single year. Everyone in the class goes, he is different than us. He's got red hair, kick him. <laughs> and that, that's, not, that's not super fun, especially when you're young. And every year, that was the reminder that I was different, and now I've grown to love my red hair, but... But someone who knows those yearly reminders all too well on a much deeper level is, our, is, our, is Hannah. She knows them too well. Every single year, they would travel up, up the mountain to worship the Lord at Shiloh. In 1 Samuel 1, verses 4 to 5, we read this. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Peninnah, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, 
because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Now her husband Elkanah, is actually, he's actually a very loving man and he, he cares about Hannah a lot so he, he wants to help her and he gives her, he gives her a double portion because he knows that she's struggling, she knows that she's sad and he cares about her so, so he's going around and he says, here's, here's your portion, here's your portion, here's your portion, Hannah, here's your double portion, your womb is closed. And he's trying to be kind here, but to Hannah, this is just another reminder, and this is an annual thing that they do. So year after year after year, she's sitting here on a day that's supposed to be a celebration day, a day where they worship, a day where they make a sacrifice. She's just being reminded of the pain that she has. She's being reminded of what she can't have. Portion for you, portion for you. Hannah, you can't have kids. Here's the double portion. To her, she doesn't want that. And most of us can relate to that feeling of maybe like someone taking pity on us or, or on a much lighter scale letting us win at something because they're much better than us. Most of us don't like that. Most of us don't want somebody to remind us of what we're not good at or what we don't have or take pity on us in a way like this. It, it, it's obvious that they care about Hannah, but it can make it harder for her on the inside. To Hannah, this is a reminder of a deep, deep pain that she feels. Most people don't like feeling, feeling those things, that reminder. A lot of us try to even bury it down a little bit and don't think about it. But Hannah can't do that. She's getting these reminders year after year. Then in 1 Samuel 1, 6 to 7. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. So not only is Hannah feeling pain because she can't have children, and now she's being reminded, here's your double portion because your womb is closed. She's being reminded in front of everyone that she can't have children. But she also has this rival, which is basically just a bully. She has this rival who is always up at the mountain every year with them at Shiloh. And this rival kind of pokes at the soft spot in Hannah's life. She knows that Hannah experiences pain because of her lack of children, and she and she kind of takes advantage of that and pokes at it and talks about it until, until Hannah weeps and cries. I've been talking lots about how Hannah's story is quite relatable. I, I, hope, I hope this part isn't quite relatable. I hope nobody has a rival that pokes at the pain. I hope nobody has a rival in this room today. I'm looking at eyes, seeing where everyone's looking, if someone's looking at someone right now. No rivals today, I don't think so. But she has this rival that basically bullies her and pokes at the pain that she's dealing with. Like we saw before, Hannah's husband loves her and he cares about her, so he tries to comfort her. Hannah's husband says this in 1 Samuel 1, verse 8. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Now, the first thing I notice from this is actually the fact that Hannah, a woman who is unable to have children, is actually not being criticized by this man. This man is not judging Hannah or criticizing her, which is what would have been most common back in the day, but this man is actually still loving and supporting Hannah, although she can't have children, which is just an awesome thing to see in the Bible. It's almost a miracle that that's happening, that this husband is loving her and not criticizing her or upset with her. Hannah is loved and cared for, but, but it still stings when you want something so bad and they and they try to make you feel better by saying, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? But then they say, don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? That can be hard for Hannah to hear. 
Now, at this point in the story, Hannah is this woman who is facing trauma. She's facing pain. She's dealing with sadness. She's feeling like a failure, and she's carrying a heavy burden. She's always being reminded of her pain. She's being reminded that she can't have children, not to mention the rival who is poking and prodding at the pain she's feeling. This is not quite a heartwarming story we want before turkey and family time and Thanksgiving fun, but, but this is actually where the story starts to turn for Hannah, and this is why I love this story so much. The story turns for Hannah at the exact moment that she prays, which is awesome. I love the fact that she goes to God and she prays, and the story turns for her. In 1 Samuel 1, 9 to 10, it says this, Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. These are some strong words, the words of deep anguish. Hannah is feeling deep anguish right now. She's at a low point. She's, she's crying and weeping and she can't even, to the point where she can't even eat and enjoy her food. She, she is a mess at this point. She's at a low point, so she knows that she has to go find some space and just pray to God and bring her problems to the Lord. And it even says here that she's praying to the Lord but weeping bitterly. So there's already these bitter emotions and bitter feelings that she's starting to feel about this situation Yet she brings it to the Lord in faith. In 1 Samuel 1, 11, it says, And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Some of the words Hannah's using here are awesome. She says, Do not forget me as she asks for a son and commits that if she gets a son, he'll be gifted to the Lord. Hannah is at a very desperate moment here. Year after year, she's being reminded, she's being um, bullied, she's, she's feeling these pains and emotions, and, and she's at a low point, and that's why she goes to the Lord, and she says, don't forget me. She's feeling forgotten in this moment. And unfortunately, again, this can feel like a relatable moment to many of us. How many of us at a time or another felt like maybe we are being forgotten, like maybe the Lord has forgotten us, like he's not hearing us, like he's not present in our lives? We know that God is present. We know that God is listening. We know that God remembers us and loves us. But in the dark moments, it's not, it doesn't always feel so sure. And that's what Hannah's going through here. She's at this low point where she's telling the Lord, don't forget me, please. In verses 12 to 14, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli was observing her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. So in this moment, this low moment that Hannah's having, she says, finally, I'm gonna take this to God. I'm gonna go pray and bring this to the Lord and ask him to not forget me and help me. And when she takes it to the Lord, even Eli, the priest at the time, is kind of knocking her down a little bit here. She's praying in her heart. She's not making any noise, but her lips are moving. And I know that I actually pray that way sometimes. So I think when I was reading this, I was like, what do people think of me actually when they see me? Do people, I hope nobody thinks I'm drunk or something like that. But because even the priest is kind of knocking her down a little bit here. Are you drunk? Put away your wine. Hannah replied in 15 to 16, Not so, my Lord, Hannah said. 
I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. After Hannah replied there in verse 17 to 18, Eli gave her a blessing. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went on her way, she ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. So this is the moment here where Hannah is finishing her prayer. Her prayer finishes up and Eli hears her and Eli gives her a blessing. So as we've gone through the story, there's Hannah, this woman who is deeply troubled and feeling pain because she can't have children. There's a second wife to her husband who has many children, so she has to deal with those emotions. She's being given a double portion. She's being treated differently by everyone else because of the pain she's going through. That's another reminder of the thing that she can't have. She has a rival, this bully, who's poking at the soft spot, who's making it worse. Even the priest is accusing her of being drunk as she brings her problems to the Lord. But I just love this part, that the story turns for Hannah when she prays, because it says that when Hannah finishes her prayer, she gets up, she goes and eats. Before Hannah prayed, she was in such a low moment in such a dark space, and she was weeping to the point that she could not eat food, but she prays, and then she's able to go eat. And when she prays right away, she's desperate for a renewal in her life. That's what she needs. She's asking the Lord for a renewal in her life, to be able to have children. And at this moment, when the prayer finishes, she's not having children yet. She doesn't have a child. She's not pregnant. The renewal has not happened yet, but it's the faith that she has in the Lord that, that the renewal is going to happen because she brought it to him. She wasn't able to eat before, but now that she's brought it to the Lord, she's like, okay, God's got this. I can go eat. It says her face was no longer in downcast, and there's some other translations that actually use the word smile here, which I love so much. We know the pain and the, and the emotions that she was feeling before because she wanted to have children, and she doesn't have children yet, but she's brought it to the Lord, and she knows that the Lord renews all things, whether it's when she's alive or whether it's in, the, in heaven later. Jesus renews all things. So she brings it to God, and in the faith that she has for God, she goes and eats, and her face lifts. She's no longer in a downcast-looking face. She's no longer looking sad. And I just love that the moment that it turns for her is not the moment that her prayer is answered, but the moment that she prays. Because for a lot of us, we bring our problems and we bring our feelings and thoughts and pains to the Lord, and it doesn't always happen right away. And for some of us, it won't even happen in this lifetime. We all need renewal. I love that my parents were visiting this weekend, and me and my mom were chatting, and I didn't plan on talking about this, but last weekend while I was at retreat, I, I missed my grandpa's funeral, which my parents were at. And as I'm thinking about renewal, it makes me think about my grandpa. Because for most of my life, due to a stroke, he's had paralyzing in his arm, paralyzing in his leg a little bit. And, and when I think about renewal, I don't get to see it in my lifetime here on earth, but I'll see it one day. I'll see my grandpa running and raising his hands in worship like he hasn't been able to. Jesus, the renewal of all things is gonna happen. It might not happen right away. And I can't live my whole life not being thankful to God because it hasn't happened yet. It's gonna happen. And that's the faith that we have to have in God. And that's what Hannah is doing here. She's not pregnant yet. 
She doesn't have a child yet, but, but she is better because she knows that God's taking care of it. She has faith like a child. Hannah's full of faith. In her mind, she's happy. She's doing better. God has got this. God is taking care of this. The renewal has not happened yet, but it will. She knows this. This is childlike faith that we're all supposed to have. In Matthew 18, 3, and he, and he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. There's many places in Scripture where we're told and reminded to have faith like a child. And Hannah is having faith like a child here. An amazing example of faith like children was actually in our church last year. There was a little girl in our church. She was, she was sick. She wasn't doing well. And she told her parents, and her parents prayed with her that her sickness would go away. And then they went away for the night, whatever they were doing, and they came back to the little girl later, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think they brought her some medicine or something, or they tried to help her to make her feel better. And she was still sick, but in her mind, she was like, why in the world are we still doing stuff to make me feel better? We prayed. That's the faith like children. The moment it's brought to God, they know in their minds, hey, he's got this, I'm good. Thank you, God, that you're taking care of me, even though she's still feeling sick. And Hannah doesn't have children yet, but she's saying, God, thank you. Hannah goes and she actually does become pregnant. And she ends up having children. Her firstborn son, Samuel, the, one of the main characters of these books, the name of these books. And she, is, and she follows through on her promise. She gives Samuel to the Lord. Hannah is known for two things. She's known as the woman who was heard. That's a nickname she's been given. She is the one who was heard, the one who is not forgotten. And for many of us, it can feel like maybe we're not heard or maybe we're, not, we're forgotten. But, but, but take this story from Hannah. We are not forgotten and we are heard even in our lowest moments. Hannah is known as the one who is heard and the one who is not forgotten. But she's also known for her special song and prayer of thanksgiving that she brings to the Lord. I thought it would be great today if, if before we go into communion, if I wrapped up reading Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving and closing in some prayer. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak of such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has met, had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. 
It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. I love this series as we talk about renewal because God does renew all things. Things that are broken will be made new and things that are old will, will come back. And it can be hard to feel that sometimes. And we see Hannah dealt a lot of her life not feeling it. Yet there was a moment of peace in her life before it even happened, before the renewal happened, because she knew that God was taking care of it. So whatever the renewal that you need in your life is today, whether it's happened already or whether it hasn't, there needs to be a feeling of thanks today on Thanksgiving, that we have a God who renews all things. God, thank you so much for everything you are, the love that you have for us, the relationship that you desire with us. God, thank you for renewing all things, whether we see it here on earth or whether we see it later with you. We have faith and we trust you, God, and we give it to you. We give our problems, we give the pain to you, God, and thank you because you are taking care of it. You are greater than anything here on earth, God. You have got this. Thank you. May we be reminded of that always. May we be reminded, God, that we are heard, that you are present, that we're not forgotten, that you love us so much and that you never leave us. May we praise you and give you thanks always. In your name, amen.